Hi, everyone, and welcome to the By the Laces podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? Absolutely fantastic as usual. <laughs> you see, I see a little smile on your face. You, you already know this answer was coming. How are you, Bilal? I'm doing amazing. Trying to think of, trying to think of another adjective. <laughs> I, think, I think you've locked down on the word fantastic, so there's no way to, uh, to counter that, so... Uh, I don't even try now. I think I've overused fantastic. Maybe next week I should uh, mix it up a little, come up with something it's else. It's your trademark, Trenton. You got to stick with it. You can't change it now. Yeah. Um, speaking of trademarks, why don't we jump into our first, uh, our first bit of NFL news. Ryan Fitzpatrick, known for the beard. The beard has been benched. It is such a sad, sad moment for him. Uh, he's been benched in favor of Tua Tungavailoa for the Miami Dolphins. And really, this was just such a surprise because the Dolphins are right in the middle of the playoff race. Do you have any feelings about this, Bilal? Yeah, um, like you just said, it's a surprise. It was a surprise to us. It's a surprise to him. Um, what, two weeks ago, they beat the 49ers 43-17, and then this week they beat the Jets 24 to zero. It's like um, right in the thick of it. And then you switch quarterbacks. He wasn't even playing that bad. I mean, he has thrown seven interceptions, but at the same time, he's done well enough for your team to be in the position where you are. So um, it was going to happen at some point, but you would think it would happen if the Dolphins were playing really bad or it would happen next year or you wouldn't think it would happen right in the middle of a playoff hunt, but uh, we're not in it. we're not the coach of the Miami Dolphins, so we don't know what's going on. But uh, yeah, uh, Brian Flores owed a Bill Belichick disciple, so maybe he's trying to channel some of his mentor's uh, personnel decision powers. But wow, such a blow for Fitzpatrick because this was, I think, in his own words, he said this was his team he he bought into this locker room and you know his teammates and that's just heartbreaking for him um to to have to go through something like this i mean you know he's going to be a professional guy he's a journeyman quarterback he's he's lost his job to a lot of other quarterbacks too but um yeah to to go out in in this way when he's not doing terrible and he's got his team winning decently well. Yeah, it's just it's painful to see. I mean, he's been the reason that they've been playing the way they are for good or bad. Like even in the in the games that they lost, he's he's kept them in positions to win the game. And I mean, again, he knew it was going to happen. He just didn't think it was going to happen. No one thought it was going to happen right now because it was to his first time even on the field in a professional setting when you're in a blowout win against the New York Jets. And just to see Ryan Fitzpatrick's excitement and cheering him on, especially because there were fans in the stands. So he's like just trying to get them um, pumped up for just that moment. And then there's the video of him basically teaching him on the sideline and it's uh I want to read uh, one thing that he said though I think it was today and it, it shows you the kind of humor that he has too because Fitzpatrick's uh can be a funny guy um he says um I basically got fired yesterday and today my day consists of zoom meetings with the guy that fired me and sitting in a room with the guy who replaced me for four hours just imagine being in that situation though I know he's also making light of making a joke out of it too, but it's like um, that doesn't happen in a job, in any other job. And he made sure to mention that today, because if you get fired, you're usually not there the next day with your replacement. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I I feel weird about this decision to start Tua because you know, a we didn't really have that much of an off season. And the only time that we've been able to see him throw would be 
during the off season activities, training camp. And, um, you know, B, there was no preseason. So we didn't get to see him then either. Uh, the only time that we saw Tua actually throw was this past game in the blowout where he only threw a, a few passes, really. Um, it I, You can't even really consider it mop-up duty or garbage yards because the game is basically, <laughs> you know, it's basically over. Um, the game is over really... because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, so... Um, I, I guess if the coaches believe they see something out of Tua and that maybe he'll provide the spark for the team, then you know they they make that decision. But yeah, it's it's hard for us to see. I think um, the the true extent of why they made that decision. This could also be the last time you see Ryan Fitzpatrick play a game. I mean, he's at that point in his career. I think. I mean, he's been around for a very very long time so and a guy like him has been on many teams he's experienced a lot and maybe he just thinks this is the right time and where to go out though on your last game as a starter you beat the New York Jets 24-0 not a bad way yeah um but I I think I'd pump the brakes a little bit on you know maybe this was Fitzpatrick's last game because uh not too long ago I thought I'd never see Josh McCown step on a field again. And then the Eagles signed him and threw him into a playoff game. And that was a, that was a wild time for him. He's still making money though, sitting at home on the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, what a way to be making that money too, though. That's a, he's a very expensive practice squad player. He's earned it though. Hey, nice segue there, Trenton. Uh, we're going to just transition into the NFC East now with the first place Dallas Cowboys sitting at two and four. An absolutely magical ranking for uh, a number one place team in the NFC East. Hooray for the Cowboys. I mean, what else would you expect for a NFC East team, Trenton? Would you expect them to have five wins at this point? No, that can't happen. It goes against everything the NFC East stands for. They're nicknamed the NFC Least, which I think we mentioned it once, once every show now because of just how bad they are. Yeah, um, it's just, you know, they always talk about the NFC East being anybody's division and you know it still is anybody's division right now um i think the most i've ever remembered in recent years the nfc east having maybe a 10 win team when the giants in 2010 the washington football team in like 2012 roughly when they had robert griffin the third but after that, I don't recall an NFC East team winning more than 10 games. Probably the Cowboys once, but other than that, not really. But then continuing on to the Cowboys, um, they had that terrible game against the, against the Cardinals on Monday night. And it was so bad that there really isn't much to talk about on the Cowboys except on how bad they are. So that's why when we were going through our possible games to discuss for this week in later on in the show, I decided to make the executive decision not to talk about the Cowboys game. I mean, you know, they're they're missing Dak Prescott uh after his injury from last week, so they're throwing in Andy Dalton in his place. And uh wow, the surprise was Ezekiel Elliott just fumbling the game away twice. <laughs> Twice. I believe that's his fourth fumble of the season. That might have tied his career high, and we're only in week six. We're not going to week seven, but... yeah. And I believe those fumbles weren't even that... weren't even that far apart. I think it was maybe one or two drives apart where he fumbled the ball. I I stopped watching the game after a while because um, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, um, it's just, wow. And they couldn't stop Kyler Murray either. Uh, Kyler Murray's just too fast. And he's undefeated in the state of Texas, in that stadium. Because I believe in high school and college, he 
played in Jerry's world before, so this is where uh, yeah, that he doesn't was lose games. Such, that was such a weird stat. Um, I saw that too. It was like, was he 12-0 and 0 or something at AT&T Stadium? I think he's 8-0. Something, 8 like okay. something like that. He's undefeated. That's all I know. <laughs> but then uh, going into how bad the Cowboys are, even though we just said we wouldn't be talking about how ba- spending much time on them, there's an important point to ma- important um, fact to mention is that the players are having issues right now. And they're the, being very vocal about it too. I mean, again, everything is anonymous, how everything usually is, because no one likes to put their name on things, but when you're two and four and you're playing the way the Cowboys are, you lead to um, a lot of issues coming up front. A lot of uh, some players are calling it a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players. And one, some players are calling it that the coaching staff is completely unprepared. Another one says that the coaching staff doesn't teach and they have no sense of adjusting on the fly. And one simply put it this way. They just aren't good at their jobs. What do you think of these players basically throwing their coaching staff under the bus six weeks into a season while sitting first place in your division still? That's an absolutely brutal line that you ended with. Just aren't good at their jobs. That's, I mean, it's, it's a new coaching staff. You've got um, Mike McCarthy coming in and, you know, being the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys and for him and his coaching staff to be described by their players as just not being good at their jobs is, that's not good. That's not good, Valal. But, um, but, um, these these players are doing it, not doing it out in the open now. They're hiding behind the protection of being anonymous. So it's like when it comes down to that, it's uh, it's not a good situation. And um, I mean, again, what we still have seven games to go. No, sorry, we still have ten games to go. I can't do math because we the Cowboys have played. Six games and there are 16 games in a season. So you still have 10 games to go. So the Cowboys could find some way to turn it around, but um, the team is imploding on the inside right now. Yeah, you just you don't want to see that from any franchise, really, and especially not a, a storied franchise like the Cowboys. I mean, you know, at this point, we expect to see this kind of news coming out of the Jets. Uh, with Adam Gase and it already has been coming out of uh, there with players saying that you know they they go into games just unprepared but uh, for it to be coming out of the Cowboys that's that's kind of alarming but it hasn't even been that bad coming out of the Jets though like that team hasn't won a game yet but they still haven't they're not completely going out and bashing their coach in the media but okay enough of the Cowboys (laughs) can't no we need to move on but uh, overall the NFC East isn't doing good either I mean the entire division if you add up all their records comes out to 5 18 and 1 with a win percentage of 0.229 this is a professional football league division I again NFC East they're not good but according to ESPN's Pro Football Index there's a 28% chance that the winner of the NFC East will come out with six or fewer wins now just going not focus not focusing directly on the NFC East but how does it make you feel that a team with less six or less wins could have the chance of hosting a playoff game come January. I mean it's it's a weird it's a weird season for what's already been an even weirder season. <laughs> um 
you know, you, you gotta have a, a team that represents your division in the playoffs. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, the last time I think I remember a losing team making the playoffs might have been the 2010 Seahawks when they beat the Saints in the wild card round. And then they went on to lose against the Bears in the divisional round. Had to throw that in there. Thank you very much. Um, six wins, six or less wins. I mean, we don't know, but this is just what analysis ESPN is providing to everyone. Imagine, though, if you're the team that has, like, 11 wins but has to get a wild card spot for some reason, and you have to travel to Dallas or you have to travel to Philadelphia for a playoff game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how everything shapes up at the end of the season, especially when it comes down to the playoff picture and the seedings. And hopefully the NFC East can win a few games, please. Yeah. Um, just, uh, you know, you got you to gotta go with it. <laughs> you just got to go with it. Speaking of going with it, Le'Veon Bell went out of the Jets last week, and he's gone to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's joining Patrick Mahomes. Um, wow. This is a big move for him. Of course he decides to go from the worst team to one of the one of the best teams, if not the best team. Yeah, he uh he called it a chance to reinvent himself. And uh wow, what a chance that'll be to reinvent himself with uh, the Super Bowl champions from last season. Um I I don't know. How how do you think he'll be in this offense? I mean, if anything, you've seen how their current running back, Clyde Edwards Alaire, has done. I mean, he's been virtually unstoppable in every game that I've had a chance to watch of the Chiefs. So it's like just put Le'Veon Bell into that system. And um the possibilities are endless. I mean, he just did not click with the Jets, though. I mean, we mentioned this when he got cut. I mean, the guy had 3.3 yards per carry for all of last year and this year, so his entire time with the Jets. That doesn't – you're not going to get anywhere with a running back who averages only 3.3 yards per carry. So, I mean, Andy Reid is a offensive mastermind. He is going to be able to find a way to – incorporate him. And the thing is, he isn't going to be the star back because of who we just mentioned, who I just mentioned. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is already their star running back. So it's going to be a more of a by-committee situation, which is a, it's going to be a deadly attack for the Chiefs because it's going to take off pressure from Alaire. Edwards Laird is going to take pressure off of him, so he's not going to have to perform every uh, all the time. And so will Le'Veon Bell. He won't have to perform. So when both guys are um, equally balanced out and they're fresh when they come on the field, it's going to be hard for defenses to stop that. Yeah, and we already saw uh, just this past week when the Chiefs took on the Bills the Bills were really selling out to stop the pass, and that allowed Edwards Lear to just slice through the run defense. Um, the Chiefs already have so many weapons. I mean, whether it's Kelsey or, or Tyreek Hill or any of the other wide receivers that they have over there, they can, they can beat you so many ways through the air. And when you add Edwards Lear in there to not only chip in with the running game and the passing game, but now you have Le'Veon Bell, it's, it's wild. All right. Uh, continuing on, we have some rumors of a team signing somebody. This is Antonio Brown, who still hasn't signed with the team, but is also still serving his suspension. He will be back after week eight. 
But uh, it's the Seahawks that are potentially looking to sign him. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's going to be interesting. He's had issues where he's wherever he's been. I mean, even when he – I mean, it all started off with the Steelers when he had issues with that with them, and which led him to go to the Raiders, which – did not last very long, and then he had, and then he went to the Patriots for a week, and then I don't think he's played since, has he? No, I don't believe so. No, okay. So, I mean, the Seahawks' passing attack is already deadly because they got Russell Wilson who throws that beautiful deep ball, and if they can get an Antonio Brown who is in the right mindset. I mean, again, he's coming off an eight-game suspension. If they get him in the right mindset, he, the Seahawks offense will probably be the best in the league if it isn't already. Yeah, uh, the Seahawks did re-sign Josh Gordon, but he still has not been uh, reinstated by the league. So... Um, you know the Seahawks still looking to shore up their passing attack, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. There is a small fact though to notice though that uh, Russell Wilson did work out with Antonio Brown during the offseason. So there's there's a video of them catching a few throwing and catching a few passes from each other. So I mean, it won't be a complete. They probably have known each other for some time too, but it's like it won't be a complete. Um, I don't know what the word is. Um, it won't be a difficult adjustment period. Let's put it that way. When to get to know each other, but um, all depends if the Seahawks decide to go along with it. It could be that no one goes along with it, and they just he just sits on the open market for some time. Um, going into that, there, there's this one story here that. Um, really caught my attention right after the, the games this past week. Um, the, uh, so this is from a tweet from a um, guy named Warren Sharp. He, I believe he does predictive uh, analytics and visualized data at, uh, at sharpfootballanalysis.com apparently. So, I just wanted to make sure that we get that out there, that this is from him and this is his take, which is a very fascinating take, but I'm going to describe what he um, tells us. So in the Chiefs-Titans game from this past week, the Titans head coach, uh, Mike Vrabel, made a very ingenious decision here. It was uh, towards the end of the game with roughly three minutes, five seconds to go, and he intentionally sends a player out to uh, commit a 12-man on the field penalty on defense. Titans are on defense in this situation. And uh, one of his players is looking around. He's like, why would you send that out there? They get the penalty for 12 men. And Vrabel basically pretends to be upset, even though he intentionally sent the guy out there. He pretends to be upset and sends the guy off the field. Now, the interesting part about this is he knows the rules because the penalty, therefore, will stop the clock. And even though um, – and in, the, in this situation, the preserving time is important. Like, Titans already had three timeouts, but if you can find a way to maximize and get a fourth timeout, per se – it's pretty beneficial. So he weighed the co- the opportunity cost, if you want to put it in economics terms, Trenton, because I know we both are have taken a few economics classes. If you weigh it that way, the time is more valuable than the penalty, the yardage from the penalty. And then he also basically had the good instinct to know that Houston would um, be be scoring a touchdown. So this uh, he ended up saving. 40 seconds on the game clock and Tennessee was also able to go down the field and score a game tying touchdown which then led them into overtime 
in which Tennessee ended up winning the game. So it's like, just think about where those 40 seconds could have, if they weren't there, what the situation could have been. But just it's just another example of knowing the rules and how to um, and how to use them in your favor. And I know you always compare this to uh, Bill Belichick. So I mean, Mike Rabel is a disciple of Bill Belichick, as you have mentioned to me before. So yeah. It's a very fascinating situation. Yeah, it was uh, such a good move by him. And, you know, some people might say, you know, it's, it's cheating. It's, it's taking advantage of the rules. But, you know, it's, it's in the rules. Uh, if the NFL wants to, they can change the rules in the offseason. But this isn't the, the first time that Mike Vrabel has used this uh, particular rule. He used it. Uh, I believe one or two seasons ago to do basically yeah. the same thing. According to, uh, according to Sharp in his, the thread that he has posted on Twitter, he says that the right variable used this again in um, 2018. And in both situations, 2018 and now the game commentators never realized what the plan was. And he, they kept criticizing him for like, why would you allow a 12 man on the field? But, he knows what he's doing. And the thing is, he doesn't answer the question when he's pressed on in the um, post-game press conferences. He just finds a way to avoid the question and moves on with his life. That's a very, uh, a very Bill Belichick method of press conference. And again, he was taught by the best and he never coached under him, but he played under him. So, I mean, there you pick up things when you work for other people. So, it's just one thing. All right. So, uh, going into our weekly segment of the NFL Power Rankings, some there were some interesting moments. In, I mean, in the NFL.com Power Rankings here, um, let's run through the top 10 and then we will discuss anything that stood out to each of us. So the Chiefs moved up from number two last week to now they're back on top to number one. The Pittsburgh Steelers moved from number four to number two, moving up two spots. The Tennessee Titans moved up, who we were just talking about, they moved up uh, two spots to number three, previously at number five. And they're also interesting thing to note is that the Titans are 5-0. and um, The Ravens dropped one spot from number three to number four, even though they did win over the Eagles, but um, probably a lot tighter than a lot of Ravens fans would have expected it to be. Um, Seahawks moved up one spot from number six to number five. They're also undefeated still. The Buccaneers moved up six spots from number 12 to number six. The Green Bay Packers, oh, this is nice. The Green Bay Packers dropped six spots from number one to number seven after that horrible loss against the Bucks, which we will get into in a little bit. And the Buffalo Bills moved up, sorry, moved down one spot from number seven to number eight. The Rams moved down one spot from number eight to number nine. And the New Orleans Saints remained steady, closing out the top 10 at number 10. Anything in the top 10s stand out to you before we try to analyze the rest of the league? A very, very short-lived moment for the Green Bay Packers at number one. Uh, but wow, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by just how much they plummeted. I mean, from number one, dropping six spots to number seven is pretty brutal. But uh, as you mentioned, we're going to cover it later. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into it then. Um, other than that, though, I think it, it makes sense right now who's on the top ten. Uh, I mean... I don't know. The Bills only dropped one spot after their loss against the Chiefs. Uh, I think personally I might have dropped them a little bit more. Same for the Rams. The Rams didn't look very good against the 49ers. 
But uh, the Saints at number ten, I I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, other than a few surprises as usual, top ten stays pretty steady. I mean, just talking about the people who you who've been dropping stuff, the Browns dropped out of the top 10. They were previously number nine, and now they've dropped six spots down to 15, which, based off of their performance last week, um, losing 38-7, to seven, it, uh, it feels right, honestly. But... Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was Baker Mayfield who described it <laughs> something like, uh, you know, we're four, we're four and two, but it feels like we're zero and six or something like that. I mean, you have to remember that the league is just a week by week situation. So, like, you play horrible one week doesn't mean you're that bad of a team. But the interesting thing is that uh, the Dolphins, after beating the Jets twenty four to zero, still stayed at number twenty. They didn't move up or down. I mean. It's the Jets. And also, we should mention, the Jets did not move down any further after getting whacked by the Dolphins because they're already at the bottom. And they've been there. (laughs) Are we going to – can they create a a rank 33 and just have the Jets move down there and keep 32 open? (laughs) Can it get any worse? I don't think I can. I mean, the only team now in uh, in football that'll win, even the Giants want to win, got to win now. So not even the only team in New. Now they're the only team in um, New York without a win too. Um, it's gonna close this out. Mentioning that the Bears are knocking on the door of the top ten. We currently are at number eleven, moving up five spots from number sixteen. I mean, this team is going to – we're in a good position. I like it, but there's a work to do. We'll get into that. But it's nice to see that uh, we're getting some respect. I mean, I think we started out the year towards in the, somewhat in the 20s, edge of the 20s roughly. So, nice to see we've been climbing our way up there. And, um, all right, we just mentioned this in the – while we were talking – we're going to get into a couple of games here. So uh, the Green Bay Packers suffered their first defeat. Man, this feels so good. Um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. You, uh, I remember you chose the Bucks in your picks last week to win, and I chose the Packers, and I feel very horrible about it, Bilal. I really do. Good. Thank you very much. It's a a good feeling. I mean, honestly, what happened? Like, it was supposed to be a good game. America's game of the week. The Packers start off the game 10-0, I believe, right? Yeah, in the first quarter. And um, then Rodgers throws two picks on back-to-back drives, which he he doesn't do that. And one he, of them was a pick six. Exactly. He doesn't throw interceptions, period. Those are his first two picks of the season. And, um, I mean, he mentioned this on the Pat McAfee show uh, yesterday. No, sorry, on Tuesday. Um, that he says himself that he doesn't really throw um, direct picks at people. It's usually like a, a tip ball situation that ends up being um, picked off. But this this first pick that he threw, the pick six, that was that was direct. That was a direct pick six that he threw, and the guy uh, jumped him. So um, the Packers just never seemed to regain any sort of confidence or momentum after that because the Buccaneers ended up going to score. 38 unanswered points on the on the Packers. So it's like, I know it's one game, but it's like, does it lead to anything, or is they gonna are they just gonna have to come back and try to get things under control next week? Yeah, it was just such a weird game. Um, 
it looked like it was going to be a really competitive game at the very, very beginning, like you mentioned. And then just, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> and then uh, the Packers offense that's looked so great throughout the season just was nowhere to be found. They, they didn't get off the plane. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even get on the plane in the first place. <laughs> They're just gone. Nobody knows where they are. It was probably the heat down in Tampa that got to them. Or maybe True. the fact that they were able to see fans in the stands or something. <laughs> they were, I don't know. They, it was they just were afraid like, of the fans. Tom Brady's stat line wasn't even that impressive. I mean, 17 for 27, 166 yards, two touchdowns. But the main thing is he didn't throw interceptions. He did what he had to do to keep his team in a winning position. But Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, and I believe the Buccaneers capitalized on both. Um, I mean, again, we were expecting this high-flying shootout between the Bucs and the Packers, and it, didn't, it just didn't happen. How about a, a shout-out to Rob Gronkowski, though, tied – for the most receptions on the team in this game with uh, five catches and leading the team with 78 receiving yards. That's uh, not bad for the old tight end. Not for a guy who's been in retirement for a year. And it's his um, 79th touchdown reception from Tom Brady. So, And his 80th of his career, because I think he had one from Jimmy G back when they were both playing for the Patriots, so and it's going to the Aaron Rodgers interception. It's the first time he's thrown interceptions on back-to-back possessions since 2017, Week 15, 2017. So who knows? It's just going to be a a uh, it could be just a one-off game, and the Packers will regroup. Hopefully, they don't, and they just continue to spiral down, which uh, I would love. And and then the Bears just so happen to oh look the the top of the NFC North is open. Why don't we oh. uh, put ourselves over there? Oh, what do you know? Look what we have here. <laughs> it's an open seat. We'll just sit down over here and rest for a bit. I mean, it's wishful thinking. I mean, they're not. They're probably not going to be this bad the rest of the year, but. Uh, at least you know that they can be beat and just the Buccaneers in a way have set forth, which I mean, every team does have um, adjustments that they make every week in and week out, but the Buccaneers have set forth some sort of template or blueprint, however you want to put it to how you can attack the Packers and what works against them. But it's it just it's just making everything more interesting now because slowly by slowly the undefeated teams are being um, beaten. I mean, we still have the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Titans. And I believe that's it, right? Any team that's undefeated right now? Uh, I'm not thinking of any. Well, yeah. Okay, so we'll go we'll go with that right now and. Um, if there's another one, we'll just think about it some other time. But again, it's the NFC is a much more competitive conference right now. When you look at the compared to the AFC, we have a lot of four and two teams. We have a lot of a few five and one teams. Even the three and um, three and three and th- sorry, the three and three teams aren't even that bad. So it's like it's just a more competitive situation. All right, um, going off of that to a game that started off pretty boring and then got much interesting later on was the Bengals at the at the Colts. And, I mean, the Bengals were up 21-0 going into the second, like, in the second quarter. And to think is that the game pretty much turned around to roughly um little little before halftime. Yeah, Philip Rivers uh decided to say, "Hey, I'm not going to lose this game." 
he's like, I've had, I've had enough of this rookie. <laughs> you, you can't do this to me. <laughs> I've been, I've been around probably almost longer than you. No, that isn't. That's not true. I have more kids than you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and he has like seven kids. I mean. <laughs> Uh, success I got you with that one yeah and he was probably in like elementary school and like or like preschool when River started playing back in 04 so who knows okay get back to the game Trent we gotta get back to the game um, where was Trey Burton this Trey Burton who now plays for the Colts where was he when he played for the Bears from 2018 to 2019 honestly oh, I have no idea I'll tell you where he was he was like hurt Injured reserve. Where was he in that playoff game against the Eagles when we needed a receiver? He was out with an injury. Where was he at in basically all of 2019? Out with an injury. Where is he with the Colts last week? Rushing in for a touchdown and catching a touchdown. Why? I mean, good for him. He's playing well and he's not hurt. But it's like, couldn't we have that version? And one thing you notice about Philip Rivers is that he was always calm and collected. He never panicked. I mean, he did throw, I believe, one interception. And he has been known to force the ball in situations at times. But that comes with the position. And when you've been playing as long as he has, he's been able to understand and um, evolve over time. But uh, he kept the team in a chance to win it. And that's basically what happened. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I chuckled a little inside when you said uh, calm and collected and Philip Rivers in, in the same sentence because when I think Philip Rivers, I think uh, screaming PG words at <laughs> across the line of scrimmage at the other defense. You got you got to hear him exactly. You got to hear him when he's mic'd up. For anyone who hasn't just listened to Philip Rivers mic'd up, it's uh, and they say he trash talks a lot, but his trash talking is probably the cleanest trash talking there ever is in the history of trash talking. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good for him, but it's also good for him to see him doing well with the Colts. You know, after he he left the Chargers, and it was there was talk about oh maybe maybe he's he's done. He's not as good as he used to be. Uh, now he's heading to a new team. Maybe it won't be as good. But yeah, they're they're sitting at four and two right now. Doing pretty well. Uh, so, good for Phillip Rivers, indeed. And the thing is, though, with this game, the Bengals had a chance to um, – a couple chances to win the game. Like, they had um, a chance to put themselves ahead. I believe they were – it was either 27-28 or they, it was 28-29, and they missed a field goal. They doinked it off the upright. So, I mean, that would have put them ahead by a couple points. And at the end, there was still um, Bengals were driving down the field, but then the rookie throws an interception. So that ends the game right there. I mean, he's going to learn from it, but they still put in the game, there were still 40 seconds left in the game. And they were in a decent position. So who knows? He's going to learn from it. It's a nice win by the Colts. Nice comeback. And, uh, Nice to see Philip Rivers getting that type of victory. And I'm going to close this out by uh, this area here talking about uh, the Bears. I mean, we can't not talk about the Bears. We have to. It's in our obligation to do in this podcast. <laughs> um, what do you think, Trenton? Just going through your analysis of this game. Yeah, this was um, – honestly, I expected more from the Panthers. The Panthers have had a, a pretty solid offense going into this game. Three-game win streak. Yeah, and the Bears' defense just snapped. Yeah, they absolutely took care of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, they gave him a lot of bear hugs, uh, a lot of dirt naps, and then they sent him packing home. So, wow. It, it, it wasn't even a – very good day for the Bears offense. 
You know, it was when a classic. When is it a good day for the Bears? <laughs> I love this defense, though. I love this defense. Yeah, it, it felt like um, your favorite beer season, you know, two seasons ago when it was the defense that was carrying the team to uh, to wins. So, And that's so, the best part of it. We don't need an offense to always carry us to victory. I mean, we can have the moments, or we can even have the games where the offense plays great. But we can't – being a Bears fan in general, no matter who's a quarterback or whatnot – you can't expect any complete um, sensational offensive team. You, but you can. What you can expect is a complete, a great defense, and that is what Chicago has always had, and that's what we have right now. So you got credit to uh, Chuck Pagano. You got credit to Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith. You have all these star players on the team. Who did not let the Panthers do anything? I mean, the Bears led the game the entire time. And they only allowed 29% of the Panthers' third down percentage. So if you stop the team on third down, they're not playing. They're on the field. Now, one thing is we you talking about offense here. Nick Foles had that horrible interception, which I don't know where he was throwing the ball to, but he just should not have thrown it. But that's going to happen in the games, too. So you just have to deal with it. And um, it's nice how the Pan- the Bears' defense was able to start the game off with a pick, putting the offense in a good position, which we almost wasted that good field position. But we came came through with it and able to close the game out with a pick as well. It alleviated it, some anxiety that we've been used to. Yeah, and uh... – I just want to take this this quick opportunity to give a shout out to Cairo Santos, Bears kicker. He was uh, three for three on field goals, two for two on extra points. Uh, he's been pretty steady this year. He kicker, hit a career actually. long, career long, fifty five yard field goal. Anytime a Bears kicker kicks a field goal, though, you always have to hold your breath. Now, ever since you uh, got rid of Rabbit Gold, who's been kicking. For the, I was watching the Niners game on um, Sunday night, and Chris Collinsworth is like, um, you have to think about if you're a Bears fan, every time Robbie Gold kicks the ball, you have to basically imagine where would we be if we didn't get rid of Robbie Gold. And I imagine that every time I see Robbie Gold kick a ball for the 49ers, where would we be if we did not get rid of Robbie Gold? I, uh, he definitely would not have missed that kick in the wild card game. He would have made it with his eyes closed. I don't want to talk about this blow. <laughs> I don't either. I'm just telling you. Like, <laughs> where would we be? Thank you, Chris Collinsworth, for putting that in my mind. Again. I um, think that pretty much sums up the game. I think we had a, we had a good game. Got to move on though, to the next week. Five and one. I'm in, we're in a good position. Got stuff to clean up, but we keep saying this every week. Got stuff to clean up, but it's much easier to clean up when you're winning instead of when you are like the Jets who are 0-6 and have no future in sight for this season. But the Bears are 5-1 and on top of the NFC North, and slowly by surely we are racking up these wins in a strong um, performance is especially by the defense and hopefully the offense great thing would be if the offense catches up to the defense by towards the end of the year. And if we're in a position to make the playoffs, that would be a deadly combination right there. Anything else you'd like to add or should we continue on? I think you uh, summed it up perfectly, Paul. All right there, Trent. So, um, how have you been doing with your uh, with your picks as of recently, Trenton? Uh, let's let's just move on to the picks, maybe. No, you, it looks like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make me say my record. All right, that's cool. Uh, last week I went eight and six, which is better than I went uh, two weeks ago. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I just have been eleven and three for the past two weeks, back to back. Don't know how it happened, but it did. I see. 
very, very humble below. Very humble. <laughs> First, right? Had to, had to. Uh... Now that brings my uh, overall season record to 65, 25, and 1. And I'll say yours for you so you don't have to mention it. 56, 34, and 1. Okay, this whole thing could come crashing down on me sometime soon. I don't know how I've been doing this. But uh, I've been doing relatively well this thing. But again, who knows? And some of the picks I made this week are... We're very... I'm very confused on how to pick because some of these teams that you're picking again, picking the two teams are relatively um, similar in terms of play and just how they've been. How do you pick between the Browns and the Bengals? I mean, one team is four and two. The other team is, I believe is one and five. But at the same time, the, when the Browns lost their game last week, they lost it by such a large margin and the play was horrible and the Bengals have been keeping their team in a way to in a in a position to win for the most part have they won no but they've been keeping their team in a good spot so again stuff like that so this whole thing could come crashing down with my picks for this week just of how things go my uh my only my only defense of my seasons overall is uh the season isn't over yet and <laughs> that's all i can say <laughs> you still got 10 weeks to go train all that's right so uh, 10 weeks to go really well or really poorly or you could go in the middle you could go 7-7 seven, seven every week or whatever how many games there you could split it down the middle but uh, at least you won't go like the New York Jets and won't get anything right. Uh, Trenton is laughing right now because his mic is muted, so that's why you cannot hear him. All right, Trenton. All right, uh, let's go into let's go into this. Um, Giants at Eagles, Trenton. I'm gonna go Eagles so that I don't end up like the Jets and not win any this week. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, I'm going with the Giants. Uh, Steelers and Titans. The battle of the undefeated teams. And this was the game that got postponed because of the Titans' COVID situation, which we do not know yet what happened in the review, right? We don't know the results of that investigation yet. Uh, Yeah, it hasn't been announced. Well, when we do, we'll talk about it. But, yeah, Steelers and Titans. Yeah, I'm going to take Titans here. I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, Cowboys at the Washington football team. Oh, wow. I I need to take Cowboys because I think they're the more complete team. See, again, this is one of those situations where, where do I, what do I pick? It's, again, like the Browns, the Bengals thing. I mean, the Cowboys are two and four. Washington is one and five, but like Washington lost their game by one point last week against the Giants. So another NFC East matchup. I'm taking the Washington football. I'm taking the Washington football team. Uh, Bills at Jets. Trent, uh, are you taking the Jets? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm going to take the Bills. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. Panthers and Saints. Um, I'm going to go with Packers. Panthers. Yeah, Panthers. No, I'm going to go Saints. Yeah, you're reading ahead there, Trenton. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going with the Saints. Um, now it's the Packers at the Texans. Now I'm going to take the Packers. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the Packers too. I mean, I learned pretty early on that I don't like picking the Packers at all, but I'm like, my goal is to have a better record than you at the end of this, so I have to go with the more logical picks. And if that means picking the Packers. You can you can afford to let one go, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, probably not. I got to win. Um, Browns and the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Bengals here. They've been pretty close recently i think they're finally gonna get it see this has been uh interesting but i still think um the browns may have a little higher 
um, little better overall. I don't know. Start that over. A better overall team in a way, because they they started off four and one and had that horrible defeat, but still got to four wins, which is more than you can usually say about the Browns. So uh, Browns. If I didn't mention that already, I'm picking the Browns. Um, Lions at Falcons. I'm gonna go Lions here. I am going with the Falcons. Hey, I was right. I was right there. Wasn't I? Was it this week or last week when I said that now that the fire Dan Quinn, they're going to uh, get their first win? Yeah. Um, I thought I thought you picked it right when the Texans got their first win, and I think you also picked it right when the Falcons got their first win as well. Yeah, because the Fal- yeah I picked the Falcons to win their game against the Vikings, which was week six, so last week. And and I picked the Texans to win their game against the Jaguars in week five, both after each team had fired their head coach. So I think the Falcons will gain some momentum now and take out, uh, beat, beat the Lions. And again, it's an NFC North rival. Can't pick them to win the game. Ladies and gentlemen, I think Bilal has inside knowledge. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> I, I wish. I wish I had some connection to the teams or yeah, whatever. Seahawks at Cardinals. Oh, wow. I'd love to pick the Cardinals here, but I think Seahawks will still get it. Good choice. Seahawks. Can't, can't defend um, Russell Wilson. I mean, the Cardinals have been playing good. They destroyed the Cowboys, how we mentioned. And Kyler Murray has been playing pretty well. But Seahawks. I had to stop with these long analysis. We know who's going to win the game. Why do I have to keep justifying my pick? No, you're good. I like it. <laughs> Jaguars add to Chargers. Oh, I'm going to go Chargers, even though they're 1-4. Because I think same as... Uh... Bengals Chargers have been pretty close in some games. It's only a matter of a time. Yeah, um, I'm also going with the uh, with the Chargers. I believe the aren't the Jaguars like one and five. Yeah, they're yeah. One so and what? Five. What? They both have one win team. So like, one team is going to get their second win. So I just think uh, the Chargers are the team to do it. Uh, Chiefs at Broncos. Oh, man. How I would love to pick Broncos. They did beat the Patriots. I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm also going with the Chiefs. Um, I was going to bring up Patriots fact, but since the next game is the 49ers at Patriots, I'll just save it for after you pick the team. Ooh, I'm going to go Patriots. I'm also going for the Patriots. Interesting thing is that the way the Patriots' record is right now, after about six games, they're under 500 for the first time since 2001. Whoa. And what happened at the end of 2001? They won the Super Bowl. Not saying that's going to happen this year, <laughs> but it's just another fun fact. To, uh, um, history has some fun facts. They just have to bring that every once in a while. Uh, the Buccaneers at Raiders. I am going to go with the Raiders on this one. I'm going with the Bucks over the Raiders. I mean, it's in Vegas, Sunday night football, but I still think Tom Brady is going to come out and shine. And there shouldn't be any doubt for this next and final game, Trenton, but the Bears and Rams. I'm going to go with the Bears. The Rams didn't look good. I'm going for the Bears because I have always gone for the Bears, and I bent my rule for never picking the Packers, but I will never bend the rule for picking against the Bears. <laughs> That's my justification. I have no actual analysis for this, but... I mean, that that hasn't led you wrong. The Bears only lost once, so... <laughs> that only that one was loss. a close game, too. It wasn't even a bad game. Then, you know, all our games have been close for the most part. I think uh, this was a fun show. I think one of the more better ones we've had for a while. But uh, yeah, all right. So um, I think that does it, right? 
Yep, that is it. All right, so thank you for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. We hope you all have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to follow us at BillMalik15 and Trent underscore Cito. Please stay safe and wear a mask.